0: Welcome to the Introvert Dear Podcast, the show devoted to helping introverts live more peaceful, meaningful lives. We are here to remind you that you don't have to be an extrovert to be happy. Now, here are your hosts, Jen Graneman and Bo Miller.
1: Hello, fellow introverts. Excited to be with you today. We all need boundaries that keep the bad out of our lives and let the good in, but maintaining them is difficult for many introverts. It takes a lot of energy and resolve to stand up to the demands of an often extroverted culture and do it on a daily basis. That's why it's critical to learn to say no and say it effectively, as well as stand up for yourself. Today, we're fortunate to get to talk to Amy Smith about these important matters. Amy is a certified confidence coach, speaker, and personal empowerment expert. Founder of the thejoyjunkie.com, she uses her roles as coach, writer, podcaster, and speaker to move individuals to a place of radical personal empowerment. Focusing on helping people find their voice, she is highly sought after for her uncommon style, wisdom, and humor, and has been a featured expert on Fox 5 San Diego and YourTango.com. Let's get to that conversation. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, I'm excited to connect with you guys.
1: We know healthy boundaries are important for everyone why are they especially important for introverts
2: well as your intro even depicts I think that there's sort of this fallacy out there that there's this competition with extroverts right like oh they're cooler and so we need to fit into this mold somehow and so I think not only are is it and I I think that thanks to the two of you I've recognized that not very many introverts really want to be extroverted, (laughs) but right? Exactly. But I think that because you're kind of up against this social narrative that says kind of being gregarious and being out with a bunch of people and having a rich social life constantly every single night, and all of those things must mean that you're really valuable or likable, or that's going to set you up for success. So we're already sort of battling sort of this social construct about what it means to be extroverted and introverted. And that's one of the reasons why I love so much what you guys do, because you're kind of pulling back the veil on that and going, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. You just process things a little bit differently. And because we're talking specifically about energy and how you are fulfilled and or how you are drained An introvert in particular has to be really, really vigilant about what they say yes to and what they say no to because it can be such a depletion on your energy if you are the yes man or the yes woman, right? And always saying, sure, I'll bake 400 cupcakes for my kid's school, you know, (laughs) and I'll chaperone as well. And sure, I'll do all these things because you think that it's what's socially acceptable or what will garner attraction or affirmation from others instead of going like wait a minute that will actually tax my energy in a way that just really isn't worth it in the grand scheme of things mm. so yeah i think it's incredibly important particularly for introverts
0: to kind of boundary up susan kane talks about what she calls the extrovert ideal and that's this idea that we uh, the The ideal person is the outgoing one, the social one, basically the extrovert, and how our whole Western society is just in love with this idea of the extrovert ideal. So I think you're absolutely right, Amy. It can feel you can be under a lot of pressure as an introvert to go 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 and do do do. And certainly for me, until I learned about introversion many years ago, I felt like I had to live up to this standard that was exhausting. Right, right. Well, and
2: what's interesting for me is I definitely recharge best by myself, for sure. Like that is how I gear up and feel more alive. However, I'm extremely outgoing and very gregarious. So, what I come up against sometimes with boundaries is people being so surprised that I need alone time or so surprised that I need to politely excuse myself or that something feels too much because people are like, you're too much though. How How can that be too much for you? But really it's what we're talking about is a management of energy and being really vigilant about that the same way we are about any other type of self-care. Like You know, Jen, you talking about needing to go to the eye doctor. It's like we need to manage that piece of our health just the same way we need to manage our emotional current as well.
0: Yes, I have a very exciting post-podcast eye doctor appointment. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm gonna be completely honest. I went to bed last night thinking about my to-do list. It's we're recording this on a Monday. And I thought, okay, I have all this work to do tomorrow. I have a podcast recording in the afternoon. I have to quick jump in my car and get to the eye doctor. And then after that, I had planned to go visit my parents because they just happen to live right next to the eye doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was just like having this terrible sense of dread wash over mm-hmm. me last night, Sunday night, just thinking all the <laughs> things I had to do. I mean... I, I know introverts and extroverts can feel a sense of stress when they have too many things to do, but introverts and especially highly sensitive people get that just utter dread when they think about having tons and tons of stuff to do, because we know not only is it going to feel stressful and there might be some time pressure, but also it's just sounds really exhausting. Yeah, That's
1: right. it's so true. I'm, I'm getting ready to meet with parents. I'm a teacher, as all of you have heard before. And just looking at They're conferences great. that are coming up, I was getting ready this weekend and, and I developed an ulcer on my left just thinking about all the, the stuff oh, I that I had to prepare and the craziness. Uh, yeah. So I can relate to that completely.
0: Yeah. And, and I get what you said, Amy, about people not believing that you need that alone time. I am very much an introvert. I love to be alone. I always have and I always will. But I can kind of like fake the extrovert. Uh, it, it's kind of like a skill I've developed over the years. And so people... They don't believe me when I just want to like slink off and be alone. Right, right. Well, and you know what I think is really important about
2: this conversation is it really doesn't matter what label or how you identify. The bottom line is the way that you want to spend your time and energy matters. The way that you feel fulfilled matters. And it. I think that we get really convoluted in buying into this idea that If somebody else doesn't understand how we operate in some way, a lot of times we start to feel like we're wrong, right? Like I'm processing or behaving in a way that's not okay. And so we start voting on that. And and so what I want to really encourage everybody to do as you're listening to this is just looking internally about no matter what anybody, how they receive you or what they think of you or what the family thinks or your workplace or whatever, what are the things that you need to really kind of put the stop on and I to make sure that I'm a fierce guardian of my energy. Um, something that I've had to learn kind of the hard way <laughs> as of late.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. I love that advice. And like we said, boundaries are important for anyone, introvert, extrovert, highly sensitive or not. But I want to come back to the idea of introverts and highly sensitive people and why it's so Difficult for us to establish and maintain those healthy boundaries. Do you have any ideas? Oh my gosh, yes, quite <laughs> quite a few. I think at the root, what it is that we're really
2: talking about is fear. And I think with introverts, highly sensitive people, especially HSPs, you you can sense how somebody else feels about the boundary that you're delivering, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So if you sense somebody getting combative or not really liking liking your reasoning for why you need to let's say decline a social invite or not help somebody move because you know that that will drain you being around their family and moving everybody
0: it's one of my pet peeves (laughs) because (laughs) you know know? you're gonna be knocked out (laughs) for like not only will my social energy be depleted but also my back is gonna hurt exactly
2: and we know that like when you compound physical ailments and emotional ailments like that, it, it'll take you out for days, right? So you have yeah. to be really vigilant about that. So what, the reason why I think it's so difficult is, is kind of what we've been talking about too, how the, I do feel, and Jen, I think you've spoken about this before, feeling as though you, you don't fit in or that people don't get you. And so now if you're going to tell somebody something else that you think they might not like and your HSP so you can tap into what they're feeling and it feels more palatable, it's also not just uh, that you're, quote, letting somebody down or something like that, but you're actually feeling their response. So that can be extra challenging on top of that, not to mention fighting against just being scared you know straight up fear and that that's incredibly primitive right I mean if we even look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs you know one of our primary needs is a sense of belonging and that stems from the time of needing to have a grouping of people in order to ensure our survival so if you weren't a part of the group it actually meant death now you know centuries and upon centuries later we don't we don't have to have that acceptance order for our actual survival, but our sort of caveman brain still thinks that. So there's a lot of fear around, well, what if they don't like me? And if I set up a boundary, or maybe it's in-laws, like you're setting up a boundary with your in-laws saying, please don't feed this type of food to my children when you watch them. Those sorts of things, we, we equate it on a very subconscious primitive level of, I might not survive this. And I think if we're also layering on these Additional pieces of feeling somebody's discomfort. Now we're also in pain, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it it can be really quite a big challenge. But what I want people to really understand is if you're constantly putting everybody in front of yourself and you're always catering to other people's wants, opinions, and needs what you're doing on it on again, on a subconscious level is you're reinforcing this idea that everybody else matters more than you. It matters what my in-laws think more than what I think. It matters what my boss thinks more than what I think or need or feel. So even though it's super uncomfortable, I think actually expressing that can really bolster your confidence. But then again, you're reinforcing this message that my opinions matter. My needs matter. And it's, it's just like any other skill that you actually have to nurture it and work it out in order, in order to, for it to become a new norm, so to speak.
1: Mm. Yeah. Good thoughts. And uh, it's, it's pretty uh, challenging too, I think, because to some extent, I think we all get our identity from other people, even though like our current age says that's not the case. I think we do look to others just to get an idea of who we are just what, what do they reflect back to us asking that question? So a lot of challenging things to work through there, but good thoughts. And I just wanted to say, if you're listening to this and you're not too familiar with highly sensitive people, we do have a episode, a recent episode on HSPs, and I will link that up in the show notes. So feel free to check that out. How can we, Amy, as introverts do a better job maintaining the kind of boundaries that are good for us and for other people?
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I do a lot in my work is I kind of dispel this notion that if you speak up for yourself or if you say no or establish a boundary, that that means something malicious about you. Because I think that's another sort of narrative that we buy into, that if I, if I do any of these things, if I say, no, I'm not going to volunteer or I'm unavailable to make it to that event or whatever, that somehow somehow we're being mean and rude. So what I like to tell people is you're only being rude if you're actually being rude. Saying no or saying, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I'm not going to be able to make it. Or I so appreciate you watching our kids. You mean the world to me. I do have a, a request, however. Can you please not feed them anything with this? It means you know the world to us. It's something that we're really... You know what I mean? So you can do deliver that content in a way that's super kind and super loving. So one of the things that I oftentimes will suggest to people when you know you need to speak up or you know that you need to have a tough conversation or establish a boundary with somebody is to get really clear on your motivation, the reason behind why you want to establish this boundary or speak up for yourself. A lot of times we buy into this idea that if you do that, I'm awful. I am mean, I'm being malicious. What if instead you were really coming from a place or a motivation place of self-love or of honesty or of authenticity? A lot of times You know, I hear people talking about fostering friendships in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And what we're always craving from other people is authenticity. We want people to be honest. And there really is a way to do that, especially in boundary setting, um, by watching your cadence and your actual delivery. So just because the content might not be something that the other person really wants to hear, It does not mean that your delivery of that is malicious or rude or mean. So start thinking about what would be the fuel in my engine, right? So in in your engine, you can pour a bunch of malice or spite or whatever, or you can pour into it self-care or impact or honesty or philanthropy, philanthropy or whatever it might be for the reason why you need to have this boundary. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a skill set to to work with. But I do have like a quick little kind of three step piece to boundaries if you guys are interested.
0: Oh, yeah, we definitely are tell us.
2: It's very simple. It's just kind of a three step system of how to establish a boundary. The first is to decide on exactly what it is that you want to deliver. And truly, all a boundary really is, is it's a definitive choice decision that you follow up with behavior about what you will or won't tolerate any longer. And sometimes toleration sounds like a really harsh, biting word, but it's just really about here's what I need to thrive and here's here's the things I can't accept in order to thrive or to feel whole. So the first piece is deciding on what that is right? Like, what is the thing that I need to give voice to? One of the places I look there is to ask myself, ask myself, is there anything that I have been allowing in my world where everybody else knows that I'm pissed about it, except the person who really <laughs> needs to hear about it? That's a great way to kind of excavate and find. I'm where
0: laughing I- because it's so true. <laughs> but, because
2: it's easier. It's easier to collude and share than actually contend with the fear that we were talking about. Uh, so it's just decide, decide on the boundary. The second piece is deliver. And that is all about how you express things. This is so much more about your delivery than it is about what you're actually saying, because that really embodies your, your come from or your motivation. And then finally, what I think is probably the hardest piece is enforcing the boundary. So decide, deliver and enforce and enforce is, is challenging, especially if you haven't spoken up before, or if you haven't made a request before, sometimes they'll go, let's see if Bo really means it. Let's see if Jen really means it. And then they'll ask you to do the thing that you really didn't want to do. Or, Mm. and it's kind of like, does she really mean it? Does he really mean it? And so those are the times when you kind of have to decide how many times am I going to reinforce this before I kind of draw an ultimatum? And it's different in every scenario. But giving yourself sort of that framework, deciding, delivering, enforcing, that's kind of how you know you've attempted a boundary.
1: Yeah, that's super helpful. I love the idea of, of you know figuring out why you want to do it and using that and then thinking about the delivery as well. And then those three steps are, are super as well. Uh, speaking of enforcing a boundary, do you have any suggestions on what that might look like?
2: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I love to use is sort of a statement at the very beginning, refreshing the person on the conversation you had to begin with. So if it's the example that I used of, please don't feed my kids stuff I don't believe in, (laughs) right? If you were to do that, you could say like, hey, so-and-so, listen, I know we kind of chatted about this the other day and it was the first time that I had said anything. So I totally get it if you didn't if it wasn't clear how serious this was to myself and my partner. But I just wanted to underline that again, that, you know, this really is a big deal. And if I didn't convey that the first time, I really hope that, that you can hear that. Um, And I, I just truly hope that you can understand. So using language like that, again, not combative, not acrimonious or biting, super loving, super kind, but also assertive saying like, Hey, listen, I already said this. I'm going to continue to say it again (laughs) until until you fall through on that. And -hmm. every scenario is different. Some of them are ultimatum worthy, right? And many, many are not. Um, But if you are in a situation like that where a boundary keeps getting thwarted kind of around every corner, that's also a very telltale sign that what you want and need doesn't matter that much to that person to really hear you and to actually respect a boundary. Um, so then I think there's a couple other things to kind of kind of look at there if it's a relationship that you really want to stay invested in. Um, but a lot of times it's just about, okay, if it doesn't get adhered to, if the boundary doesn't get adhered to, what am I willing to do or say? Sometimes it's, you know, if you continue to speak like that, I'm going to need to get off the phone. Or if you continue to do that, unfortunately, I, I don't feel like I have another option except to not have the kids stay overnight. It's just not something I'm, I'm willing to allow them to be subjected to, you know, or whatever. Like you might have to really establish a consequence that's hard to do. And that's that's why the enforcement piece can be such a challenge. Mm. I hope that answered your question, Beau.
1: Yeah, no, I you know. And especially those pieces at the end, I think just realizing that maybe sometimes we need to pull back for a little while until the other person respects her space. That can be, that's the hardest part sometimes, but can be really good for the relationship. So thank you for that. That was super helpful. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's good advice. I think the enforcement part is the hardest part for me because I will just, you you know, I'll I'll easily cave and it's not good, but um, yeah, that's just some really good advice to keep that in mind. Amy, do you have some signs that our listeners can be on the lookout for in either a certain relationship or an area of their life where they have not yet established healthy boundaries. In other words, what would unhealthy or leaky boundaries look like?
2: Oh my gosh. I love that term leaky boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to start using that. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So we kind of danced around this a little bit earlier, but I would love everybody to think about this right now as they're listening. What are the things or who are the people that I constantly complain about and that I haven't done anything about? I haven't done any resolution, nothing designed to actually changing that. So a lot of times what will happen is our therapist gets near full, our spouse gets near full. Our bestie gets near full, but it's really your mom you need to talk to. <laughs> That's really what will create changes in the relationship. But most of the time, if I just said to, to everybody, like, "Oh, where do you need to establish boundaries in your life?" Some of us might have some real obvious areas. But if I said, "What do you complain about the most?" We probably go, "Oh, I know what I complain about the most. I know who I who gets under my skin the most," and. Uh, especially if you are highly sensitive, it might be that you tap into your emotional current a little bit more as well. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: that I think can be the superpower of the empath or the HSP because it's almost like this additional sense that a lot of people don't use. I think everybody has sensitivity, but I don't think everybody nurtures it and it comes easier to you. And that Ability to sense like, okay, I don't feel the best when I'm around this person right. or, you know, or every time I leave an interaction, even if it's short, I feel incredibly drained. You might have to use your energy or your emotions as a vehicle, as opposed to, you know, you might not be as verbal. You might not be as verbose. Um, so it could be more of that internal story, that really rich internal world. Um, that introverts have. So yeah, hopefully those are a couple of things that people can do to figure out where they need to establish boundaries.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm thinking about some of the people that I complain about. A lot of times my best friend or partner get an earful, but uh, (laughs) I'm not always doing something about it. So that's really good to think about. Amy, what bad recommendations related to establishing boundaries have you heard? What's some bad advice that people shouldn't follow?
2: Ooh, I think the, the worst things that I hear, I actually hear a couple of things. And I don't know if I would say that they're actually advice about boundaries, but they're thoughts surrounding the concept of boundaries. One is that you can't say something to somebody because of your relation to them. Like you can't, you could never say that. He's your spouse. Oh, she's your one. wife. You could never say that. Or you can't do that. That's your family. So it's this idea that the behavior can be as deplorable as possible and get away with it simply because we're blood. (laughs) And I, I just don't buy into that. I don't like this notion of family or anything. I feel like it's respect or anything. And so if I have an abusive family member, I'm not going to just tolerate that. I'm going to say, Hey, I value myself enough that we need to have reciprocal respect. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, another big thing I think that gets touted is this idea that speaking up means louder and more aggressive. So, um I do think there are times when when you do need to be like that. Like for instance, if if it's an unwanted sexual advance while you're out at a club, like you might need to be forceful, aggressive that's not, we're not talking about fostering rich relationships the way we might in a familial situation. So I do think that you need that in some way, but, but if you're talking to your spouse and you're saying, you're asking for one of your needs to be met, if you're delivering it like a diatribe, like, well, you do this and you do that. And oh my gosh. And, uh, and this is so frustrating. Never in the course of history has the other person been like, Ooh, tell me more about that. I can't wait to be amazing (laughs) for you. So I think for me, it's a marriage of assertiveness with kindness and grace that I can deliver things in a really kind, gentle way, but I can also be very clear. Um, And actually, you know, I was thinking about what you said earlier, Jen, that it was such a challenge for you. uh, And it's so easy to just kind of roll over on things. Right. I
0: shouldn't be telling people that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're you're showing us grace by just being real and authentic like like Amy already mentioned earlier so I think we appreciate that. I do.
2: Nice, Bo. I love that. Yes, that's exactly right. Um but I was thinking one of the things you can use is joking and jest mm-hmm. as long as you say something after that where you underline uh, the importance to you. So for instance, let's say somebody said something in your company and it was offensive to you, or they were making fun of you in a way that they thought it was really s- silly, but it actually really hurt your feelings. You might say something like, oh, wow, let's talk about all the things that you're not good at then, you know, or something mm. like that. <laughs> like, no, no, we don't need to. Just kidding. No, seriously though. You know, that kind of bummed me out. Or on a serious note, I'm sure you had no idea.
0: But, but that, oh, I like that. Making sure you get the, the on the serious note part in. I think often I'll say the funny part, but I won't get the serious part in. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a
2: boundary hack. And you might have to circle around later. Like if it's awkward to say it in front of a bunch of people, you might pull them aside later and say, hey, you know, I kind of joked about that. But that really did bum me out. And I'm sure that wasn't your intention, you know? Um, but I also I wouldn't feel good if I if I didn't share that with you, because I would want to know if I was in your shoes, something like
1: that. Hmm.
0: That's good advice.
1: Yeah, that's great. And um, I, I think the heart of this behind it, at least part of it, is that why they talked about earlier, if we're real with people, then we have a chance of having a, a deeper relationship, too. So if we put ourselves out there and, and we decide to be assertive, um, it can actually be better for everybody because then. You're not getting trampled on and the other person knows how to respect you and you probably have, I don't know, enjoy being around each other more. So, Amy, you've already given us some some great ways to say no, but I'm wondering, are there any other effective ways we can say no without turning people off? And maybe there are times we just need to turn them off, but do you have any other ideas that way? Yeah.
2: Okay. So, my favorite tip for saying no is to avoid saying yes in the moment and do something that buys you some time. So instead of saying yes, right away, like the deer caught in the headlights, especially if it's somebody who is requesting in a way that seems really emergent and they're like, Oh my gosh, nobody else can do this. And they're kind of coming at you with this intensity, which again, it's like for introverts, it's like abort mission. Oh my (laughs) God. Right. 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 this is overload. Um, (laughs) So in those situations, I love to say, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me. Or, um, Oh, I appreciate you wanting to lean on me or something like that. How soon do you need an answer Hmm. or putting it back on them? Or, you know what? I need to check my schedule and see what I've got going that day. When can, when can I get back to you or when's the deadline or whatever it might be? I don't care what you say, just please don't say yes. Even if it's, I need to check with my partner. Um, All I ask is that it's true, that you don't say, oh, I've got got a Beyonce concert that day. When you don't, (laughs) you know, don't get in the habit of lying, right? Because that's also not what we want to attract in our world. But if you can do something that buys yourself some time, that's huge. The other piece is if they say, you know, I have to know now, then you can say something like, Oh man, I would so love to come through, come through for you, but I would hate to say yes, and then have to pull myself out later. So I am just going to politely decline. I just that's That's
1: an awesome one. Oh,
2: right! It's like look at look at how I'm
0: doing you a favor, right? (laughs) By not overcommitting. My schedule is getting more freed up the more we talk. good but i'm
2: hoping that what people are hearing is that everything that i've used as an example you you don't look at that and go what a jerk right you know like you you just can't it's and one of the things that i i tell people all the time it's sort of a mantra that i've created and use is you are responsible for your intention not your reception so bo what you were saying is like maybe we don't need to worry so much about turning people off You know, I think especially HSP, especially if you have a a huge internal world and conversation, you're going to mull over that forever. (laughs) So we need something that really anchors us into what am I actually responsible for? Mm. So what if your delivery, your assertiveness, your kindness, your lovingness, what if all of that was what you were responsible for? And their response was on them because that's actually true we can't control anybody else. So I use that all the time when I'm feeling attached to what other people might think and, and in business too, right? Like how I might be received. I have to think, okay, I am responsible for me. I'm responsible for my intention, not my reception. So even that just kind of as a guiding light can be really advantageous.
0: And I think no one wants to come across as a jerk, like you said, but introverts and especially highly sensitive people aren't Acutely aware of when they may even a little bit be coming across as a jerk because uh, you know, especially highly sensitive people and highly sensitive introverts, they're like we've touched on already, just very aware of what other people are doing. they're aware of those subtle signals that other people might miss. They might yeah. notice when someone someone's tone of voice changes just very slightly or they look away or something like that. so mm-hmm. you know as as a highly sensitive introvert, I've been terrified at times to seem like a jerk because, you know, I also feel things deeply. And so I know what it's like when someone is a jerk to me and I don't want to cause that for someone else. Well, and you know, I don't think that's
2: uncommon i i don't think many of us walk around wanting to be malicious
1: right. i think
2: that we walk around more so being afraid of coming across that way yeah. so one of the things that i love to use and this is another sort of speaking up boundary saying no hack is using the word intention so what you might say is please know it's not my intention to oh that's good and it's good disrupt the family, let you down, be nitpicky, be whatever. Or you can also state what you think, what you assume their intention is, right? So you can say, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, listen, I'm sure it's not your intention at all to come across in a way that would make me uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is a great way if you don't want to say, you know, feel awful, or you're being too controlling, or you're too jealous, just use uncomfortable (laughs) is a little more palatable. Um, But just acknowledging like, hey, I see good in you. And I doubt that you're really trying to hurt me. But here, here's something that's come up. Here's my request, it would mean the world to me if you would refrain from using this word or whatever it is. Um, But just using that, that term intention can be really advantageous.
0: So we touched on this a little already, but why is it difficult for introverts and highly sensitive people to speak up for themselves?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we talked a bit about the fear and I think what happens is we make up these truths where if I speak up for myself, then I'm, then I'm being a jerk, right? We collapse just being vocal with being a jerk or the second place we kind of, Buy into this lie is we think I'm purposely hurting somebody. And this, I think, can be much more intense for introverts, HSPs, empaths, because of what you're feeling and because you can just empathize so much with what somebody's going through or you actually are feeling it. Um, so, those two things I think are huge. But what we have to understand is there's a trade off. And no matter what, who I've talked to, no matter how they identify, nobody's like, I love confrontation. (laughs) (laughs) I love handling tough conversations. No matter what, we're just in a world that doesn't foster a lot of intimacy and vulnerability, period, especially for men. So the idea that we would have any type of vulnerable conversation is already really challenging. But what you have to remember is it's a, for a bigger reason. It's because you want to nurture this idea that you are valuable and you are enough and how you spend your time and energy matters. And sometimes you have to really back that up with words and with statements. And uh, and it can be clunky. That's you know when I first really started to find my voice, it was a mess. It was a mess, and I. It took me many years till I was able to kind of distill these different tools that I'm sharing with you. So please be gentle with yourself. Write it out if you need to. (laughs) Uh, Connect via text or whatever you need to do to inch into really being vocal and be gentle with yourself.
1: Hmm, I love that, and um, I'm just going to ask that uh, ask you to take us a step further. You know, for those of us who want to practice the things that you've shared today, the great ideas, how can we make sure on a regular basis we're putting into action what you've been talking about? I mean, are there any resources you'd recommend uh, reading or is there like a a plan Uh, we've talked in earlier episodes with um, Jen's partner who was telling us about like a specific action plan he had for um, relating to other people and and he was taking notes on it. Very methodical, but spreadsheets, (laughs) data, everything. So do you have, (laughs) do you have any suggestions for, how we can be intentional on a regular basis, getting better at this.
2: Yeah. You know, I think you could do a quick little check in every single day because I think for most of us, we don't catch things always in the moment. Sometimes we have to reflect on it in hindsight because it's so habitual because it's autopilot for us. So something that I would suggest doing is maybe every night asking yourself, were there any places today where my silence made me a liar? And that gives you a little bit of a footing of like, oh, yeah, I was, you know what, I really did want to go to some other restaurant, but I let everybody talk me into going here during lunch. I could have very easily politely declined, right? Or uh, I was bothered by the service that I got at, you know, my path, and I felt like they, you know, scooted me out. I probably need to be a little bit more assertive. Maybe I need to circle back. And do uh, what I like to call the declaring the do over, where you go, okay, I need to make a call, or I need to say, hey, I think I came across the wrong way. So I think just doing a check on yourself every single day would be a great baby step to start figuring out, okay, where are my sticking points? Where are the times that, like, I'm feeling and sensing and needing something that I didn't advocate for? Now I'm not talking about. Where you think somebody's outfit is hideous and you didn't say, <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you said being quiet is easier than that person knowing that I have an issue with this, right? Where you kind of go, mm. and it's a sacrifice of self. And most of us know, most of us know, right? So, where have I allowed my silence to make me a liar? Um, I'll give you a quick example. I. One time um, in my spare time, I do community theater and there was a a guy who I was doing a show with and he showed me a meme that was actually really, really offensive. And I knew that in that moment, the easiest thing for me to do would have been to just collude and been like, ha, 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 and just walk away. But I knew that I would be totally out of integrity if I didn't at least say, hey, that's not okay with me. And so I said, hey, listen, I'm sure again, like I told you, sure, it's not your intention, um, but listen, I, I, I really don't find that funny and I actually find it kind of offensive. I'd really appreciate it if you just didn't show me that kind of stuff anymore, but, um, I'll see you in the green room, you know, whatever, mm. and just walked away. So little examples like that, you know, when is it actually a threat to your, inte- uh, your integrity or, or your energy?
0: Mm. Amy, what are one or two books that have greatly influenced you that you'd recommend to our listeners?
2: Ooh, oh my gosh. Well. F- um let's see. Pretty much anything by John Gottman. Uh oh, seven habits yeah, of uh making marriage work, I believe it's called. Um really a lot of great insights specifically on communication like this. And then there's another book, I believe it has three authors, and I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it's called Tough Conversations. Tough. Con- I think it's called tough conversations, and that's a lot of these sort of scripts and ideas, and dissecting a little bit more about why we have a challenge speaking up. Because a lot of times it's the execution where we mm. we really <laughs> have a rough go. Um, so those two are great. I do love. Uh, I don't know if I can say the word, but you are a bad. A Bad Butt <laughs> by, by Jen, Jen Sincero. <laughs> um, i read that book. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing book. Uh, and um, yeah, so there's a couple.
1: I love, I love the question that you shared. I just got to say that. Did my silence make me a liar today? I'm definitely going to leave today's show just thinking about that because I need to challenge myself to be a person of integrity with others more frequently. So some great stuff here. And um, thank you for all that you've shared, Amy. How can we learn more about you and what you do?
2: Yeah, well, my sort of corner of the internet is thejoyjunkie.com. And I will just kind of put a disclaimer that I'm typically a bit of a sailor. So if you come over there, it's not going to be quite <laughs> <busy>. <laughs> Uh So just everyone's forewarned. Um, but again, I'm just being authentic, <laughs> being my <laughs> authentic self. Uh, but I have a weekly podcast and some free workbooks specifically about cultivating self love and self confidence, how to speak up, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so, and, and I hang out the most on social media uh, on Instagram. So, same handle at the joy junkie. And yeah, I'd be super honored to connect with any of you guys.
0: Amy, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us today. I feel my boundaries are getting stronger already. <laughs> yes. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for listening to the Introvert Dear podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being quiet and spending time alone.